0: From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Other words, troublemakers are troublemakers because there's trouble in them. Every troublemaker I ever saw in my life in Christian circles had storms in his own mecca, frustrated ambitions selfishness, troublemakers of that kind of people. That's what it says in the Bible. You can find in the Bible an explanation of every problem you'll ever meet in this world. Sometimes I've discovered something in my dealings with people, and then a day or two later I'd be reading the Bible. I said, well, for know normal Bible, I would not him to see that. Now, here's James writing. He said, what's the reason you're having all this trouble? He said, the reason you have strife among Christian people, listen, there isn't any division in this country with the evangelical Christian people on the fundamentals of the faith. The Christian people of this nation believe enough to take a world to heaven. They're united. They believe in the eternal essentials, the inspiration of the Bible, the deity of Jesus, the vicarious blood atonement, the bodily resurrection, salvation by grace through faith in his atoning blood, Christ our intercessor." Everybody in this country, every orthodox Christian, regardless of his denomination, or context, all of them, hold these same fundamental essentials. They disagree about things that none of them believe are essential to salvation. And yet look at the strife and war and trouble. Listen, all this strife and war and trouble, these things do not grow out of, of conviction. They grow out of kinks and carrot. I was talking to a friend of mine there two ago about the premillennial coming of Christ. I was an evangelist going up and down this country of preaching the gospel, getting people saved with the hundreds, before I knew anything about premillennialism. I talked to a fellow who thought he was crazy about it, talking about premillennialism. I thought the man had gone bugs. I never heard of it. Country boy. Getting people saved. I love Jesus. I'd have given him anything I had that time. And yet I know people in this country that will fall out with men who are not premillennialists, uh, when they none of them believe premillennialism is essential to salvation. Now, I'm sorry for a man that isn't a premillennialist. Uh, I must be a dark outlook for those that are not looking for Jesus to reign. A man that expects to find a solution for world problems under present conditions is anything that man can do. Even in the proclamation of the gospel, I don't see much hope. For. I'm a premillennialist, but I would no more shove men around that didn't agree with me about that position if they're under the blood of Jesus Christ. I've told you over and over, and I won't lay it on the hearts of you students today, especially you preachers. Remember, it's never compromising to take a man as far as you can on the right road. Compromising is taking a fellow any distance on the wrong road. It's not compromise if you can't take a fellow with you as far as you've gone. It would be compromising to take him on another road away from the way you've gone. You know, if Christian people would just use their heads and have sense, don't try to take every fellow all the way through with you to start with. You know, I came into the blessed, glorious truth of the Lord's coming, the pre coming of Jesus Christ from reading a sensible book written by Dr. G. Campbell Morgan. Never shall get. All the wild stuff I heard of a man that uh, talked to me like they were crazy. I never heard of it. One day I read a book from Campbell Morgan, approached it, kindly, in a constructive Christian way. And I read that and saw it. And light that came into my sky where there'd been darkness. And I saw the thing, and there he was. I'd like to say to you young preachers, when I'm all preaching, I tell them I'm a premillennialist. Don't dodge it. You don't have to dodge any truth. Sensible men don't want you to dodge what you're true. If you've got sense, and you're a Christian, and you're a gentleman, you can stand up most anywhere, if you're a conservative Christian, and tell them what you believe without friction if you do it right. Unless you've got some old nut in the audience that's disappointed in his ambitions or something. the will go out and say, you know, I don't like that way. Now, James explains the whole story. There isn't any reason why the evangelicals of America at each other's souls. They shouldn't be that way. It's wrong. All the trouble is it's frustrated men, conceited men. I know some men that talk about conviction that have a big head, and that's all the matter with them. And you know we are facing that peril today, all over this country. Division, strife, and there's enough evangelicals. Listen, there are millions of Christians in this country, evangelicals, who have never bowed their knees to false gods. They never have done it. They're true, good old saints of God scattered around. They listen to all these voices if they were just led along right. You wouldn't have all this trouble. Now James says, "What's the matter with you? All this trouble. Try to put something over. Try to do the big thing." Said the trouble's with you. The trouble is with the fellow. Young, it's with you. Like a fellow one time, man told me about. Said they uh, wanted to have a big violin and a little violin, a bass violin, and a small violin, and a choir. Has some music. Good old fellow had his prejudice against uh, an instrument in the church. The preacher said he got up and preached and people were saved that day. power of God was there. The old official church member was sitting down in the audience. And he got through. After all, the people were saved. He didn't see a convert. He didn't see anybody saved. He wasn't looking at that. He's looking at fiddles. He's against fiddles in the choir. So he rushed up to the front and said, You know, I don't believe in that business. said, The devil's in those fiddles. A big devil in the big one and a little devil in the little one. <laughs> There were redeemed men and women wiping the tears of their faces. This preacher courageous said there's no devil in that big fiddle or that little fiddle. Said there's a big devil and a little devil in you, that's all the matter. <laughs> now listen, it doesn't matter whether that man bleeding a violin, choir or not. If he walked into a service and saw the power of God come down there and people say, and the man preach the gospel. He might have sat back there and said, you know, I I wish they wouldn't have a fiddle up there. But maybe I'm wrong. God's here. Gospel's been preached. People have been saved. Maybe, maybe it's not so bad. I wasn't real like that. But you know, I saw that fellow saved. He didn't see the fellow saved. I know some of our evangelicals in this country, you could have a thousand conversion in a meeting and see men go out saved on fire for God. And if there's one little word used, contrary to their theological concepts. And you don't state it like they stated, they'll start a row in the community. That is not of God, that's of the devil. Now let's understand. Here's your explanation. It's all in you, he says. Now, let's go ahead. Ye lust. <laughs> yeah. Ye want something. You weren't charming yourself. You didn't have the big job. Huh? You're sober. You're just sitting back there an old grouchy attitude. Ye lust. And have not... You didn't get what you wanted. You suppressed. Somebody ignored you when you wanted recognition. Somebody didn't salute you and call you a rabbi. Jesus contended the same ground. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You can't go places. You can't get there. You can't have what you want. Now, I'm not interpreting this here technically right here. I'm applying I think it's a deeper meaning here than maybe some of us will realize. Yet you have not. You have not what you want. And there are two reasons. You didn't pray. You asked me. All the matter with you is you're an old lustful, mean, miserable, good-for-nothing fellow that's got trouble in you. And that trouble made you fight, stir up strife, And you could have had what you ought to have had if you'd have asked for it. But you'd split a church. You'd raise really stand about it. Fuss about it. Stir up trying. Don't like so-and-so. We've had students in Bob Jones University sit down here and hear one little announcement or some little something that come up that they knew nothing in the world about the inside uh, reason for it. Walk out and make a mountain out of the One of our fellows came here the other day and told me something had happened here that he criticized. Asked me to forgive him. Said, I just didn't know what I was talking about. Now, people do that because there's something wrong in them they ought to get over. Young people, I've told you over and over and over again, and God help you to listen to me and let this stick. A good man is always a reasonable man. And these unreasonable people, they are just twisted inside. That's in the Bible. They're troublemakers. Every church in this country has got somebody in there giving them trouble. There's hardly a Christian organization in this country. You go up and down this country and find these Christian organizations all over America, and in these Christian organizations you've got technical troublemakers that go around and me. What they're fighting about isn't worth fighting about. Absolutely non-essential nothing as far as its consequences are concerned. I heard a preacher preach one time on the premillennial coming of Christ. And he jumped on everybody in that room within didn't agree with him. He raked them over the coals. And there were good men sitting all around me. Never read a book on the subject. He never heard it discussed. If that preacher had been the right kind of man, he'd have said, brethren, some of you men may not have looked into this thing. We should look into it. It's meant so much to me. He had the sympathetic air of every crowd button that credit. If he didn't want that, he wanted to skin somebody. George Skinning. He took his little critical knife everywhere he went to skin everybody. It's a curse of this country. Now the two things, by the way, I just got where I was going to start today. I didn't mean to stop along here, I just meant to get out here. Now listen, ye have not... Because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. You don't ask. And when you do ask, you don't ask right. He says, that's what's the matter. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? It's not complicated. God says you want something, ask it. Go out and tell God what you want. You have access to it. You're a Christian. You're born again. You're redeemed. You're under the blood. You're a child of God. You don't have to call up over the telephone and ask God if you can come around and see Him at a certain time. You can walk right up and do your own talking. You don't have to call on a priest, or a preacher, Virgin Mary, a saint, or a machine of any kind. All you have to do is to walk up and Go to talking. In the name of the Son. What shall we ask in my name? That'll I do. Just go up and ask for it. Walk up and say, Father, you don't have to spend an hour asking Him to put you on praying grounds and pleading times like the old saints used to do in the country. I never shall forget as long as I live I told you in the days gone by about the old country praying. Good old saints, God bless them. Get out and say, We've come before you and done this matter. We've ever been taught on bended knee. We've done all we shouldn't have done and done nothing we should have done. <laughs> Give us our sins of omission and commission. They go and tell God maybe for five or ten minutes all that God knew about them. Wasn't necessary said tell him everything. Should have told Him before they got there. They get up there and on and on and, and then after a while he'd ask God for a little something close up the prayer, world out in, amen. I got converted in the country. Went out to this meeting to call on some of us new converts to pray. I was a little boy, a little there. And the fellow had pretty good sense, you know. He started as young. He called on me. I started like the old saints. <laughs> Come before you, and now this matter we've ever been told on men to be. Our sins of omission and commissions went on and on and on and on. And the trouble was, I didn't know how to close it. I forgot how they closed <laughs> So I started over again.
1: <laughs>
0: and the second time, I prayed for the winners' north, And orphaned. I neglected that the first time. Withers and orphans. The distressed and the oppressed in mind and body. That was all the great stuff. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I couldn't say amen. You had the little something came before the amen, see. And I forgot what it was. So I started on the same trail and came back again by all the widows and the orphans. The distressed and the oppressed in mind and body in the only way we'd ever been told. <laughs> and after a while, I knew I couldn't keep going on all day. So I stopped between a widow and orphan and said, Amen, God. (laughs) (laughs)
1: There's
0: nothing wrong with your formality. There's nothing wrong. I'm not talking about some people look like they try to be informal. and, And your informality may become to you a sort of a formality well, that's a pretty good to That's a new one. Isn't it?
1: Huh?
0: Make a note of that. Don't even forget it. I'll say it on radio sometime. I have, to have, I have to look out for those things only. But, you know, listen just a minute. You don't have to be so form around Almighty God. For I had a little child come up and climb up my lap. Say, my dear father... I am so wonderfully delighted to climb up in your arms, (laughs) and uh, I would like to, uh, uh, I would uh, humbly beseech you to please uh, give me five cents to buy me a little candy, which I greatly crave. I'd say, what's happened to this child? (laughs) A little child runs up and says, Daddy, can I have a nickel? I'd like to have some candy. And the father said, well, honey, Daddy would like to give you some candy, but, you know, that's not what you need right now. And I'm a better judge of what you need than you are, but if it's something you need and ought to have, you can get anything I've got. Listen, if it's anything on earth that you need and ought to have, you can ask God Almighty for it and get it. Now, remember that. And you can ride around the highway, and ask If you escape a wreck like I've done many times on the highway when even I've been driving. (laughs) And uh, uh, some fellow almost run into you and you'd say, thank you, Father. I didn't ask you to protect me, but didn't think to ask you, but thank you. Why don't you cultivate a spirit? Anytime, anywhere, all grounds praying round. ground. You have access to God Almighty anytime, anywhere on earth in the name of Jesus Christ. And the reason your life's so empty and frail and powerless and dead, the reason you're always in trouble and all twisted, some of you, is because you're forever and eternally going on and separating prayer from the ordinary routine of life. Pray without ceasing. I will that men everywhere lift up holy hands. Everywhere. Everywhere, all the time. Now, here's what he says. Said the trouble with you you'd have been straightened out if you'd been looking up to God and looking around you all this trouble you'd have got what you wanted that is what you wanted was right listen God won't give you what you want unless what you want is what's best for you you may pick it up some way from the hands of the devil what you want but God Almighty doesn't give men what they want when they're humble faithful trusting children of his unless what they want isn't what they ought to have a father or mother would give a child what the child ought not to have. Is a weak parent. Now, he said here, trouble with you, you just don't ask me. You know, pose this banker down here and say, whenever you want anything, just come down and ask me. You'd go around here without any shoes Pants all patched. Stock's done. All you got to do is go down here and get it. You ought to be in a bad fix, and that's where you ought to be spiritually. That's where you ought to live. You you're not entitled. You can break the bank, but you can't break God Almighty's bank. If you broke His bank up in heaven, He could start another one. You can't listen. You can't exhaust His resources. He's no banker. I read a psalm one time. Somebody wrote it who was broke. Depression came on condition. And he says, the Lord is my banker I shall not want. Nothing wrong with that. I shall not want anything I ought to have. Now, I said, the only trouble, you just don't ask me, that's all. You just don't ask me. Well, somebody said, well, I did ask you, but he said you didn't ask me right. No child comes to you and says, can I do so and so? So, so, and you say, well, now, honey, ask me right. I'll give it to you if you ask me right. Now, he says here, I'll give you what you ask for if you'll ask me right. Not enough to ask. Not enough to say, God, do this, do this, do this, do this. Why do you want God to do He says your next verse, you ask and receive not because you ask a mess. What for? You want to consume it on your lust. Lord, give me some money. What for? I just like money. (laughs) Money's nice i just like to have a lot of fun, spend money, have a nice car, nice and somebody else. Just want a nice time, God. Give me some money. You've got plenty, can't hurt you. God said money is not what you need. If I gave you money, you'd consume it on your lusts. You'd strut. You'd show off. You'd ride by somebody in a little old rattle-trap car and say, Look at me, buddy. Look what I have. I'm better off than you are. Some people think they're better off than somebody else because they have more material things than somebody else. You are not better off than anybody else on earth unless you're better off spiritually than the rest of them. God Almighty doesn't evaluate things in dollars and cents. He asked. Ask not. But sometimes you do and you don't ask right when you ask. Give me this. What do you want with it? You have many right to ask God Almighty for anything in the world, except something you want to give back to Him. God, give me rest tonight. I'm tired. Give me rest, so I can start a new day tomorrow morning. Certainly, better. God, send me money to go to school, to get through Bob Jones University. I want to go out and work for you. And I'd like to have help. Listen, if you ask with the right motive, you'll never lose. You can ask and have a wrong motive and never get a thing. Except divine disapproval. What are you asking for? What do you want with it? What are you going to do when you get it? You know, these are awfully high standards I'm holding up this morning, but I didn't put them up. I'm just calling attention to them. The hardest job you've ever had as a Christian is to be unselfish. Selfish. And we had a fellow in this school years ago, had a good voice, and he got awfully conceited. And one day that fellow was a little late to rehearsal, one of our rather timid uh, instructors had just come. She said, you're late. Well, he said, if you don't want me, you don't have to use me. As she was timid, she came and told me I was president of schooling. Eh? I said... Why don't you send him home? He said, Well, I had to have him for the program." I said, No, you didn't. I said, Now from now on, that fella doesn't exist as far as recognition's concerned. We don't know he's here. Teacher'll teach him. We'll say how to do the meeting. We're gonna deflate his ego. Nobody'll ask him to sing anymore. He'll he'll be begging for a chance. Two or three months went by. Nobody knew he was on the campus. He was the best singer we had. But, you know, that's not... that We don't operate that way. We'd rather not have any singing. I can take up the time talking. <laughs> I never run out. Two or three months went by, and one day that fellow came in and said, Dr. Bob, I'm converted. I've been cured. I was stuck up. I was conceited. I thought I had a lot of rights around here. What do you want to sing for? We drill it into these students every Sunday morning, the choir and the faculty. We come on this platform. Let's remember we're going out there to sing for Jesus Christ. We're going to to preach for Jesus Christ. I pinch myself every time I go in the pulpit to remind myself. I like to preach. There's no exhilaration ever came to a mortal man like the exhilaration of standing up for a crowd when the God Almighty is with you. And you know he's with you. And you speak with a boldness because you know God's with you. And you can get so delighted in the thrill of preaching and the thrill of singing and the thrill of even do some Christian work that you'll do it for the thrill of it. You're not to do this thing for the thrill of it. You're to do it for the glory of Jesus Christ. And whatsoever we do in word or deed, do all for the glory of God. That's the standard. Oh, I run into preachers up and down this country and singers and workers and Christian workers and watch them strut. Till sometimes I almost get mosey. And sometimes I put the chair out in front of myself and looked myself in my face and said to myself, what about you? Why do you want Bob Jones University to process? Why do you want all this business anyhow? And I ask God to say. What do you want? You can have it if it's what you ought to have for the glory of God. If you'll ask God for it, and have the right motive when you ask. Our Father. Let that come upon us while our heads are bowed, before we leave this room, something that's more wonderful than we've ever had. Fill us. Anoint us. Lord, we want power, we want power to do Thy work. We want to do it for Thy glory, if we know our hearts. We ask Thee to help us. Help us in this time of conferences ahead of us. Help us all the things we do, and keep us ever faithful and true. For Jesus' sake, amen.